Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today on the show, we'd like to get a, a planting and crop progress update from around the United States and Canada. If you would like to call in and be part of our show, we'd love to have you. The number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So I am feeling pretty good today because on Friday we finished up planting on our farm and I'm I'm sure if you're a farmer and you're listening, you know how good that feeling is when planting gets done. Now, let's hope that we don't have to plant it a second time because of hail or anything else that could possibly happen. I'm hoping we're done planting for the year. Hopefully, we can have that planter put away. You just never know. Uh, We also, for the most part, have our, our, well, we do have all our pre-emerge herbicides on. But now we're starting to think about post-emerge. It's, it's not going to be long and this crop's going to be up. we got to be scouting for weeds, for insects, for diseases. Got to be talking fertility. I mean, this of all years is a year you do not want to run short on fertility and you don't want to have other any of those other things that are within your control. Weeds, insects, and diseases are within your control. You don't want to have those knocking you down a peg or two in terms of the yield. I was just talking to an agronomist here this morning about white mold. And, I mean, who knows? Are, are we going to have a white mold year or not? Nobody knows at this point. But if we start getting some rains and, you know, with a, with a good canopy, you have a decent chance to trap some moisture in that canopy in soybeans or canola or sunflowers. I mean, we might have a big white mold year. So anyway, I was talking to him specifically about soybeans and just about Cobra and Phoenix and the generics, because even though technically they're not considered fungicides, uh, that Cobra or basically Phoenix is safened Cobra, uh, Cobra or Phoenix, they're actually really good at at reducing the incidence of white mold. We use them on our farm in the areas where we traditionally have white mold problems. Yeah, you can't use them in all the crops that get white mold, but you certainly can use them in soybeans, and they're really inexpensive, like five bucks an acre. So it's definitely something to consider. All right, Brian, we need to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. We got uh, got a few questions here, and we've already got our first caller on. Uh, I, I don't have my screen up yet. Can you bring uh, Derek up in Missouri? Go ahead. All right, Derek, how are you doing today? Thanks for calling in. Hey, Brian, Darren, I appreciate you guys taking my call. I promise I won't take long. Um, this is a question I've had for a long time, and I've kind of dodged around it. We're, we dove hunt every fall, and... Uh, we've been planting wheat and millet just because we can't figure out the whole sunflower thing. And um, I know that Clearfield Sunflower brand is supposed to be herbicide resistant, but I don't really know which herbicide to use for that Clearfield Sunflower brand. I just want to see if you guys had any insight on that. Sure. Uh, Well, there's only one herbicide that would be able to be sprayed on Clearfield sunflowers beyond all the normal sunflower herbicides, uh, and that's beyond. Beyond is exactly the same thing as Raptor, which is very similar to Pursuit. So, and I'm just saying this because for a lot of us like me, the last time we used Raptor Pursuit on the farm was in a big way. It was probably 20 plus years ago. But anyway, same basic chemistry. That's an ALS herbicide. Clearfield is only tolerant to 
ALS herbicides, that chemical family. So it's not tolerant to Roundup, not tolerant to 2,4-D, not tolerant to Dicamba. And I'm sure you wish it was tolerant to any of those because that'd help you out a lot more on weeds than being tolerant to some ALS herbicide. Uh, We have, unfortunately, a lot of ALS-resistant weeds out there. So with sunflowers, what we always will say to farmers is you basically have a couple of herbicides, maybe three or four, that you could could use that are pretty effective. So pre-emerge, you've got Spartan that's really good on broadleaves, and then you can use either a Group 15 or, in a lot of cases, we just use a yellow. So like Prowl, for example. So a lot of times in these these, uh, food plots, that's what guys will use if they're just trying to raise sunflowers, then they're going to go spray uh, uh, Spartan plus Prowl. You can leave it right on the soil surface. It'll work fantastic. It's just it has to be sprayed before planting. Post-emerge, really all you've got, unless you were to raise those clear field sunflowers, all you've got for weed control is a grass killer. So you can kill the grass out of it just fine, but you're not going to be able to kill any of the broadleaves. So if you have water hemp, you have kochia, you have ragweed, none of that stuff you're going to be able to kill post-emerge. That's why we like using those couple of pre-emerge herbicides. Then at least you're in fairly good shape for later on. That's awesome. I appreciate that feedback. And so so you're thinking, just to kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it, you think go ahead and start with that beyond uh, pre-emergence there? Okay, so here's exactly what I would do. If you want to raise these clearfield sunflowers, that's fine. That makes a lot of sense for you, so at least you have some kind of option post-emerge. But you're going to want to start with Spartan and Prowl, and that's absolutely what I would do for a pre-emerge. And then the Beyond would be post-emerge. And the Beyond will have some activity on grass, and then it'll have pretty good activity on all the non-resistant broadleaves. And so that's exactly what I would do if I was in your spot. And then, like I was saying if you had to spray a second time post-emerge there is a grass killer so it'd be uh clethodim is the active ingredient but i mean you just use one of the clethodim one of the generic clethodims or the name brand select max later if you have to kill grass out but this is the way that you kill a lot of your broad leaves and that's typically the biggest problem we have in sunflowers so prowl plus spartan to start beyond later worst case scenario if you have to come later with a grass killer it's select max or generic clethodim Awesome. Thank you so much. Yep, no problem. Appreciate that, guys. Have a great day. Yep, you too. Yeah, it's always tough when you start talking food plots because a lot of times it ends up being small acres and everything else. And so you're like, okay, well, am I really going to get the right products? And then it doesn't seem like a lot of people really know how to kill weeds in some of those crops. So I get that he was trying to go with Clearfield, and yeah, right away you hear, oh, herbicide resistant. Well, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, but the problem is when it's only resistant to the ALS herbicides, you just don't kill a lot of the toughest weeds that you're really after. So starting with a good pre, especially in sunflowers, and we don't have many post-emerge options, it's just ultra critical. Even though I realize it's a food plot, you want to raise as much food as possible for any of the wildlife later on. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Ag PhD Radio. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. 
Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, getting a planting and crop progress update. We would love to hear how things are going on your farm and in your area. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we got John with us right now. He's down in the state of Iowa, and Iowa's always ahead in planting. Uh, how about emergence, John? You seen a lot of crop popping up down there? Yeah, uh, a lot of corn spiked through right now, um, and a few early soybeans, but uh, corn was really quick this year, uh, uh, seven, eight days, and it was spiked through. Those couple high 80-degree days really pushed things through. Wow, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a challenge this year with rainfall in parts of Iowa. How are you doing in your area? Well, I guess uh, you could say maybe I'm one of the lucky ones because uh, we've had... uh, uh, several rains. We were pretty dry early, but then we started getting a few. Uh, I had nine tenths here a week ago, and then uh, Saturday night I got anywhere from an inch and a half to inch point seven. So uh, we're actually setting fairly decent right now. Yeah, outstanding. That's a good way to start the season out. Hey, we get a lot of questions. Uh, the corn price, a lot of non-farmers are aware that corn and soybean prices are quite high right now. How about on the livestock side? What are your concerns uh, being a livestock producer as well? Well, I guess uh, the biggest thing would be, you know, uh, it's going to cost more to uh, to put these animals to market. Um, I, I contract feed uh, hogs so i don't you know i don't actually have that cost but uh you've got to also you know feel for the person you're working for that um they they got to go through that and you know same way with cattle uh, you're getting a lot of feed cost in them so uh, kind of feel for those guys a little bit uh, i love the i love the grain prices but uh got to feel for them yeah i know growing up uh we were we were always in uh 
cattle operation, hog operation, and farming. And Dad always looked at it. Well, one of one of those is going to make money. I hope at least. And if <laughs> if more than one does, then hey, that's a wonderful year. But it seemed like yeah, one kind of came at the expense of the other sometimes. But you know, like you say, raising yeah. your own raising your own feed sure helps. Yes. Yeah. It sure does. Sure does. Well, you mentioned so, the, the so. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we're probably 85, 90% corn planted down here. Awesome. And probably about 70, 75% of the beans. So uh, we're pretty far along. Yeah. Yeah, that that is really good. And now, yeah, like I say, you catch a little bit of rain in your area. That's uh, pretty optimistic about what, what kind of year you're going to get when you can get, get crop in, get it up out of the ground, and, and everything's going well. Yeah, we got that that month of June, July, and August to worry about yet, though. <laughs> well, it's it's a long season, and we're just getting started, you know. It, and it won't be long, and you'll see if you got crop popping up, you're going to see weeds popping up, and then you got all those battles oh, too. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, we don't want to make it sound too easy comes. on here, John. Don't want to make it sound easy. <laughs> no, it's it's a worry, you know. It's a worry till you see everything up and going. Uh, you know, like I said, yeah, the corn spiked through, but um, I don't have any beans popping through yet. We just finished up uh, Saturday morning with those. So, uh, but uh, it's uh, yeah, you're never you're never content until you until the combines roll and then you're you're bringing in the grain. No, that's <laughs> so. that's for sure. Well, you get everything out there at risk. You got all your dollars out in the field, just hoping you're going to get a crop at the end. So that's it's a little different than a lot of other professions, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, that's it is. It's a risk every year, but uh, uh, this is my fiftieth year, and so uh, I'm I'm sort of used to it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, John. Really appreciate having you on. Glad to get the crop in the ground, and good luck. Hopefully, the good weather continues for you. All right. Thanks a lot for having me. You bet. Thanks. Uh, let's head over to uh, the Mason City area. We got Charlie on with us right now. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm doing good. Okay, now we were just talking to John, and he said he caught some rain. How about you over in your part of Iowa? I know you guys have, have been looking for some rain. We've had a half inch and a six-tenths, and that's all we've had since uh, we started field work. So um, the corn's coming up. The first corn we've had has been around about three weeks, but you can roll that nicely now. And uh, soybeans are just starting to poke their heads through you can't roll them yet but they're coming up yeah that's good uh we started planting corn well it's right at a month ago now and yeah we we can roll our our first planted corn now it's just been awful cold we've been below normal for temps for a long time and i'm sure you have as well right we're supposed to be down to 32 again tonight and then start warming up <laughs> but uh a little scary when you got beans coming through. I hear you. I hear you. So how about for everybody else in your area? Is corn and soybean planting starting to wrap up now? I think pretty much everything's planted in our area. Uh, we in particular have all our corn and soybeans, commercial corn. We also grow seed corn. Yep. And uh, we got uh, quite a lot. Of, we grow about 500 acres. We got about 170 to plant yet. We're waiting for seed from South America, parent seed. Yeah. And uh, that will, I think, get air. Supposed to get into uh, town Algona today. So, 
And then uh, we got double delay on our mail, so we got uh, two plantings of what we got in, and we got one more planting to do. Sure. Yeah, I know with the seed corn, they're really fussy about putting that into a little bit warmer soil, planting at a little later date, and then, like you said, sometimes you got to wait for this stuff coming from overseas uh, or just some other country. And this year we've had a lot more delays than we normally do. I know it's the same way with the ag chemical market, too. It's been hard getting some of these things off the port, getting them into the country and all that, so I'm glad to hear that it's supposed to be there real soon. That's good. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll poke around as soon as they give us some seed. <laughs> so how about spraying for you, Charlie? I mean, have you gotten your pre-emerge herbicides on already and all that stuff? Yeah, we've got all our all our beans are sprayed. We spray them right behind the planter. They're all sprayed. Uh, the field corn, we put that on right behind the planter with 32%. Yep. That's all done. The seed corn, we put the nitrogen on ahead, and then we spray that right after we plant so what's planted is sprayed so we got like 170 acres whatever we got left to plant to spray yet yeah yep you bet so it sounds like you're coming along good well that's good to hear well hey uh charlie thanks a lot uh, oh go ahead i was gonna say our seed bed this year has been just like a garden It's been very nice plant, but we still need we need some moisture bed. We're in the exact same boat you are, and this is also why so much crop got in so early, way earlier than normal for a lot of guys. Because I mean, just like for us and our farm, we go out and it's like, well, we can't stop planting. It's it's going so nice, and the seed bed's perfect. So, I mean, we've had it times before where you get a little bit later and it, it never gets any better. So we just thought, well, we'll just keep her going and, and it's all worked out good. So, yeah, but I, I mean, I look at the drought map. I just pulled it up on my screen here and we're in about the same kind of position you are uh, where they say we're in moderate drought right now here on our farm in southeast South Dakota. So, yep, we're praying for a little bit of rain and I'm, I'm certainly optimistic that we'll get it. We got lots of time. Well, my old neighbor years ago said it always rains five minutes before it's too late. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, hey, Charlie, great talking to you today, and best of luck to you this year. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. All right, Brian, had an interesting question come in. Uh, This one's from Travis in eastern Minnesota. So we finished planting over the weekend. We're starting to prepare for pre-emerge herbicide spraying in our soybeans. We haven't got much rain. We're very dry, and we're planning on using Sonic at the 4-ounce rate. Our local agronomist suggested we increase our rate of water that we're spraying with up to 20 gallons per acre because it's so dry. No. Now, it's something we've never heard of before. Is there any reason that would help? Nope. Uh, What's an acre inch? 27,000, a little over 27,000 gallons is an inch. Okay, so what good is it going to do to put 10 more gallons out there? It's not going to do anything. So, nope, don't. Well, you can certainly do that if you want to. It's just you've got more expense, you're carrying more water out there, and it's not going to help. All right, I got this from Bob in California. He said, we are officially in a drought in central California. We have sprayed, and we're we're no-till trying to conserve water. But how am I going to get my fertilizer deep like you guys talk without tearing up the soil? Since I've got recent California PTSD from having a recent drought, I'm expecting we aren't going to get any more rain for the next couple months. I'm really nervous. A lot of times guys will use coulters. you got to inject it down there somehow because otherwise, yeah, if you're counting on rain and none in the forecast for quite a while, it gets pretty tough. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this.
A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to leading herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Cheetah, a high-quality glufosinate herbicide made right here in the USA. Now for use on a wide variety of crops with glufosinate-resistant traits, including Enlist crops. Its novel mode of action will manage existing or emerging herbicide resistance and provide fast, effective results. This means you can focus more on profitability and less on weeds. New Farm and Cheetah Herbicide, here to help. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio and getting a planting and crop progress update. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you'd like to talk about other things that are going on your farm or in your area, or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Got Chuck on with us right now in Ohio. Chuck, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I would say in our area here, we're less than 1% planted. Really? Uh, uh, we're in southeastern Ohio, and we suffer from cold, wet soils. Had a lot of rain this year, and of course, like elsewhere, the temperatures have been lower than normal. So we're probably a week or so behind, uh, but it's shaping up to maybe hit the ground pretty hard uh, by the end of this week or 
sometime next week. Yeah, it's been interesting. Now we're we're a lot further west, and we've been just bone dry, so everybody's been able to go as much as they want to out in the field. So it may be waiting for rain is about the only thing that's holding anybody back here. So somebody had to have the opposite situation, Chuck. I'm sorry, it's you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we're waiting for it to stop raining, but uh, you know we rely on the warm weather to get the soil fit and. Uh, and get the the dirt so that the seed uh, trench will close good behind the planter. That's usually the problem. There have been a few people that have tried it uh, already, and they're pretty much sorry they did. They're going to have to replant. Yeah, it's no fun trying to mud things in, and I, I get it. We've no. we've been in that spot before, too, where it's getting late, and especially uh, I farm with the world's most impatient farmer, Chuck. That's my brother, and he likes to yeah. go sometimes, but I think even Brian now is starting to slow down a little bit and say, you know, that really hasn't worked out the best for us. Right. Okay. Uh, I got a question for you. If sure. You can take it. You bet. Uh, um. What do you think about the idea of using the insecticide boxes on the planter that feed directly into the seed trench to apply micronutrients or something like boron? Getting boron applied around here is kind of tough to do it and get it uh, evenly. You know, it separates from the fertilizer and all that. Uh, is there any any? Well, there are definitely there are definitely right some or- guys doing that with zinc. Uh, and there are some guys doing that with micronutrient blends, but you can't put very much boron right in the furrow with the seed. So that would be my okay. only concern that we'd overdo it with the boron. So yeah, if you were doing a micronutrient blend where there isn't a whole lot of boron in it, uh, that that would be okay. Right. There, there are guys doing that. Okay, I get that. Okay, well we're talking about like half a pound of acres. All we're looking at needing. Okay. Yeah. When, when you ban stuff that close, I always say start slower and make sure yeah. things are going to be safe first. Cause there's a lot of variables with boron. You want to make sure you've got a good percentage and your base saturation of calcium in the soil. We'd like to right. see at least 60 or 65% base saturation calcium to try to negate some of that power from the boron. And yeah, there's just, there's just several things so I'd be a little bit nervous about that, but but uh, you definitely can put some on. I just don't know what that cutoff line is going to be for each of your soils. Gotcha. But, yeah, I like the creativity. I, I think there there is a way, there is a purpose for those boxes. If you don't need it for insecticide, there, there are other things that can go through there, no problem. Very good. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Chuck. Really appreciate the update, and hopefully you get some sunshine here real soon. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks. Let's head over to West Central Missouri. Get Jeff on with us right now. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing okay. So how are things going down in your part of Missouri? Are guys all done planting or still got a ways to go? Um, I'd say most guys are done with corn, um, as far as I can tell. And then the uh, soybeans, uh, guys just got a good start. I, um, we're, we're probably... Um, a third to half done, uh, probably closer to a third. But uh, some guys haven't started beans. They were waiting for this cold spell, and we got quite a bit of rain Saturday night. Uh, and uh, some guys were waiting for that. And um, but but yeah, uh, I haven't seen any beans up personally. But uh, they're getting some are getting close, and all of our corn is up uh, at least two to three inches of in small stuff. So okay. But, uh, 
Well, it sounds like we got warmer weather coming. That'll get everybody fired up. Yeah, well, it needs to dry out quite a bit, so we'll get pretty wet too. So, but we'll see. Yep. Yeah, it's it's tough when you're in that too wet time period, and we man, we could really use the rain, and we would yeah. we would welcome the the too wet for just a little while. But oh, it's no fun when you're trying to plant or trying to harvest. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. Did well, did it come with any of the bad stuff? You, you didn't have any big wind uh, or hail or anything, did you, this weekend? Uh, we did not. Well, we had wind, but it's not going to damage anything right now. Well, other than you know some tree branches, but uh, no, no, corn's too small to damage. And wheat is just starting to head, so yeah, it looks good too. So excellent. Um, yeah, everything looks pretty good. Yeah, that's that's good because this year the prices are there. If we can just raise a crop, yeah. that'll be a, a big part of the battle. So, do you double crop after the wheat then with soybeans? Uh, yes. Yep. We'll uh, uh, third week of June. Hopefully, we'll be cutting wheat or so, and then uh, get the beans in. Last year they were um uh, forty to forty five, um, which pretty good yeah absolutely good yeah and a double crop and and plus uh especially yeah. if you can get a good wheat crop up front so you say it looks good are you thinking yeah. you're gonna have 80 bushel wheat or 100 bushel wheat what do you what's good in your area uh well last year our field averaged uh 90 um we just had 60 acres last year and um i don't know i don't know if it's gonna be quite as good this year it's hard to tell yet but i'm hoping at least 80 we try to get 80 every year at least so you bet you bet so. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty nice rotation. That, that'll work out okay yeah. this year. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, we get some rain in uh, August and September for the beans. So you bet. Crop, so, yep. yep. Yeah, it's a long season, that's for sure. Well, Jeff, thanks for calling. We really yeah. appreciate it. Glad uh, glad to hear the corn's in the ground and got some moisture to get everything going. Yeah. Hopefully, it dries out for you again soon. Yeah. Well, thanks. You bet. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Got a question here. It's from Michael. He's in South Central Pennsylvania. He said, as many farms have Roundup resistant mare's tail on their no-till and minimum-till fields, the mare's tail has spread to hard-to-kill areas. For example, I've got a large and very healthy farm pond that has a lot, and I mean a lot, of mare's tail growing around the three- to four-foot buffer strip around the water's edge. This is providing a seed source to spread to my cornfields. Wondering what herbicides, if any, can I use to kill the mare's tail but leave the buffer intact and, most importantly, not harm the fish uh, or hurt the water quality in the pond. You know, that's one thing that we see a lot, Michael, and I know I've gotten a chance to to get around our country quite a bit. When we've got these tough Roundup-resistant weeds, one of the spots that we've seen them is is on those buffer strips on the the fence lines and just anywhere that you aren't planting a crop on levees and different things. And it's tough to kill weeds in those spots. And like you mentioned, you don't want to kill that buffer. You don't want to kill all the grass. So using uh, an aquatic labeled Roundup, for example, isn't going to work because they're Roundup resistant and you'd also kill the grass. So what can you do? Well, there are aquatic labeled products uh, like, for example, uh, 2,4-D. There's aquatic labeled 2,4-D that could be used. Um, so I would look at that. Just try and find something with an aquatic label. Now, if you're around a pond and then there's just grass beyond that, just choose your days wisely. You could use that aquatic label 2,4-D and do a nice job. 
Uh, if it's right up next to other sensitive crops where you're worried about the drift and the volatility and all those things, that, that creates even more of a challenge. So, yeah, you just want to make sure whatever you've got has an aquatic label. That way you know that you're going to be safe for what you're doing around those fish. And thanks for the question, Michael. Really appreciate that. And I, and I agree. I really appreciate your attention to the details there that these little strips that, while they're not costing you any yield in your crop, they're definitely going to create more weed pressure going forward. So you got to take care of them now. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're getting a planting and crop progress update from around the country. We'd love to hear from your farm as well got two ways you can do it you can send us an email radio at agphd.com if you got a field that's emerging and you want to show a picture off uh, more than happy to take a look at that and talk about it or you can just give us a phone call at 844-44-AG-PHD we'll be right back Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. 
If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're getting a planting and crop progress update. We would love to hear from you. And our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Oh, man, I got excited. I saw Jeff's name up on the board. Jeff's in Illinois, and I know that he raises horseradish. We had a couple of guests in the studio uh, when your name popped up, Jeff, and and they said, oh, yeah. man, how's the horseradish doing this year? So I got some fans. <laughs> All right. So how's everything uh, looking out yeah. your way? Finished up horseradish harvest, uh, I guess, two weeks ago, and uh, working on planting. We got another, I guess, two short days. We won't get it done in one day. Uh, we're going a whole 1.4 mile an hour, 36-inch rows with an eight-row planter. just takes 12 people to get that done. But, um, yeah, a couple days we'll get that finished up. Uh, working through soybeans. I guess we're right at 50% planted corn and soybeans um, on the row crop acres. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's boy, that's a lot of work. 1.4 miles an hour. And how many people do you say it takes? Uh, one per row. So eight rows, eight people. And then somebody taking the uh, or driver would be nine. And then I guess I lied. It's only 11. And then two more in the back. We A dozen doesn't hurt to have an extra person around. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we always have uh, quite a few employees around for horseradish season. That is great. That is great. Okay, so you said you harvested a couple of weeks ago, so tell us about that. Uh, the saying is harvest any month with an R, so that covers September to April, and we didn't have to roll an R into May or June this year. Sometimes it takes <laughs> a little extra to get everything finished up. Um, but yeah, harvesting, we're using a potato planter, retired potato, or harvester, retired potato harvester that we stripped down to the frame and rebuilt uh that they're going a lot shallower we're going 12 to 14 inches deep and that's a four row machine again 36 inch rows so 12 feet wide trying to sift through the soil uh to get those roots out wow so okay talk to us about what a what is a, an expected harvest do you do you go by tons per acre or how do you measure it uh, grandpa started selling a uh, hundred pound bags. So we talk about bags to the acre. So we're looking for, uh, 80 bags of horseradish per acre is, uh, expected yield. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about that crap. I just enjoy the end product. <laughs> Somebody else gets to do all yep. the hard work. I just get to enjoy the end product. That's what we're here for is make sure everybody's got it on their plate and it's my tagline on my email signature line is it's not just a 
condiment, it's also an ingredient. So use it in your marinades, buy a uh, sauce with uh, pineapple, apricot horseradish, or cranberry horseradish. Don't just put it on your cold cut sandwich, but use that as salad dressing as well. Interesting. More well, antioxidants than broccoli. Wow. Well, and and better than broccoli too. So we we'll agree oh, with yeah. you on that one. I don't I don't know if we've got anybody from California that might call in and disagree with that. But uh, okay, talk to us about rotation then, because because obviously you're raising other things. You got corn. You got beans. Uh, you got some alfalfa this year. How does that look? Uh, I've got a few acres of alfalfa. We've got uh, fifty horses at the uh, farm that we board. Um, so I have not gotten to that yet. We'll get further through planting before I tackle that project. Um, I did not spray for any weevil or anything, so, but it's a grass mix, so it's not straight alfalfa. Okay. I saw a little bit of feeding, but not enough to justify me spraying, I didn't feel. Yep. You said 50% done with planting, Uh, so you got corn mostly corn planted so far we got some beans in the ground too um some of each i guess the first week of april i planted some corn and then we didn't get back in the field until uh last thursday so that was a long break between and uh same thing with uh beans i think my brother planted some of those uh, early in uh, the like second or third week of April, and then we just got back to that again Thursday as well. So sure. we had uh, three 60-foot bar, three 60-foot planters running, and I missed my 1,000-acre goal. I think we only got 990 done on uh, Friday. So wow. two running, <laughs> two 24 rows running in corn and uh, 20 inch bean planter running. So, wow. That was a big day for us. Yeah. You guys don't sit around very much, do you? Uh, there's three brothers and then we've got a few other employees. So no, we, <laughs> you're hustling. Let the grass grow. <laughs> That's for sure. Yep. All right, Jeff. Well, good talking to you. Really appreciate the time. Really appreciate the update. Thanks for what you do. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. You bet. Let's head out to uh, Georgia here. Get Glenn on with us right now. Glenn, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. All right. How's that sweet corn coming? Because our area in South Dakota, usually the first sweet corn we get comes from Georgia. So I'm hoping you're going to tell me it's looking good. It it is looking good. It's looking real good. We we're actually we're still planting. We we uh, are winding down planting, but uh, also harvest was. We were planning on to start harvest on May the 13th, but it looks like we've had cooler than normal weather, so it's going to be around the 17th of May. Okay. Yeah, it's this so cold weather has been really strange. Thereafter. Talk, yeah. talk to us about that, because I know like field corn, generally a lot hardier than sweet corn, and, and certainly you guys raise a lot of other crops where you're at in Georgia than just sweet corn, but right. how, how did the cold hit your crops there? Did it just slow them down, or did it did it really do some damage? Oh, it just slowed them down. I mean, we... we uh we we had one scare back in uh, early April, and it, we had a little bit of we had some frost damage on the leaves, but it it it, it seemed to be not significant. 
so we, we came through it good. So it's just delayed it. You know, the overall GDUs is a little bit lower than normal, and it's just delayed us a few days. And, uh, well, I know all the can, all the consumers, Glenn, like me, are really picky, and we want every ear to be exactly the same and every plant to look uh, exactly perfect. How hard is it to do we that? We know that. <laughs> we know that. We know you don't like worms, too. <laughs> no, we, we definitely don't like a that. a lot of time and effort on both. And you like it filled out all the way. All the way. Which is a big job as well. It's easier to say than do. Oh, I just think about the bug pressure that you have to have. Are you out there quite often having to deal with bugs, or is it something that is just a couple of waves through the year? Yes, sir. We we spray a regular. uh, this time of year, uh, we, at tassel push, we start, we spray it pretty much every day, uh, when it tassels. So, wow. um, we have to keep, keep the, that corner earworm is just relentless. They don't let up. Yeah. Well, and, and this early in the year too, a lot of their crops are just getting going. So you're the prime target. Yeah. No doubt about that. Right. So, okay, talk to us about the the uh, peanut crop then. Is that planting going on now, or where are you at with peanuts? Peanuts is about halfway. We typically, uh, we and, and my neighbors as well, starts around mid-April, and we try and finish by the end of May. So okay. it's pretty much a six-week window we try and get them all planted. And we, we've had a good bit of rain uh since then so we're behind yeah uh, we well, sounds like you got plenty of work to do in the sweet corn and with everything yeah. else going on it's it's always good talking sure. to you glenn glenn farms down in georgia and, and uh, this time of year i start thinking about fresh sweet corn so here's where we like to go glenn thank you so well, much it'll be ready soon all right sounds great uh appreciate right. it thank you Darren. you bet thank you Listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Aralax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. 
Talk with your retailer to learn more. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, diving back into the Ag PhD mailbag. Brian, Janelle and I were talking over the break, and we had a great idea. Well, we're going to have to try this someday, but if you want to use a little of it now, you sure can. We thought, what about the Brian's Blunt Answers to Obvious Questions segment? Well, it sounds perfect to me, because that's pretty <laughs> much what you're going to get anyway. <laughs> okay. Soybean post-emerge residuals. Inco says, why don't you talk about a group two like Pursuit? Because it doesn't work. <laughs> So that's as blunt as I can get. It's not going to kill the ALS-resistant weeds, of which you probably have many. So if you're after buckwheat, uh, nightshade, you know, stuff like that, it's fine and it's cheap now. So I don't have any big problem with that. You can do it, but to think that I'm going to use that as a main part of my program, not a chance. All right. How about this one from OG? Can I use atrazine in my prep work for sunflowers? Nope. Atrazine will kill the sunflowers, so no. Okay, this one comes from Backyard. He says, have you guys ever used humic acid in your crops or biochar? What do you think about these types of products? Like it. Don't think of it as a savior, though. So we're all in favor of trying it. The biggest problem that I see is there are a million different humics out there, and there is, and I'm just going to be, again, blunt, since that's what this segment is, apparently. Uh, there's no regulation on it. So in other words, you don't really truly know what you're getting. So our suggestion is try two or three of them, start small on a few acres, see what works for you on your farm. Don't think of it as a savior product. And I'd rather with your humix go early in the season or right at planting. And then with your fulvix, that's the stuff we typically are using post. In addition to, we like to use a little bit of fulvic in furrow. Okay. I got this one from Josh, and he said, I sprayed two ounces of Valor in the middle of March. The label says I need one inch of rain, and I believe four months, before planting winter wheat. 
We are in north central Oregon, and it's very dry. We've only had a quarter inch since we sprayed the Valor, and we usually don't get oh, much wait, rain in the next couple ago? months. Oh, okay. You, okay, so they're talking fall spring. Yes, they're yeah, okay. They they or, put I mean, they fall, put Valor fall seeding. Yep, spring and fall seeding. Yeah. Yep. They no, said I got you. planting yeah, I usually I the end of they're planting the end of September into the beginning of October. They're just not getting any rain on their pre. Wondering should we be concerned about injury from that Valor? Very unlikely because it will it will have been out there for a long time. Now, if you only get a quarter inch between now and fall, then yes, I would be very concerned about it. But assuming that you're going to get some rain over the course of summer, and certainly you're going to have weeds growing to suck up that valor, um, I'm really not that worried about it for fall. Okay, got this one from Harry, and you said we were talking about corn pre-emerge herbicides, and he wanted to disagree with us. He said, I've had plenty of situations where we've put out six ounces of Callisto or Miso total after two passes, and we've never seen yep. carryover. Also, right. we disagree with you on the full rate of atrazine. You're going to start seeing more large-seeded broadleaf weeds come in your fields if you're not using atrazine. We think that's a, what a bad recommendation. Okay, so first of all, we aren't, and this is the big thing to understand. When we start talking about crop injury, we aren't talking about the 9 out of 10 times. We're talking about the 1 out of 10 times. That's what we worry about. And so our point is we have to be conservative all the time because you never know when that 1 out of 10 times is going to hit. I mean, who knew that last summer when we sprayed in June that we were going to see three more rainfalls until now? That's it. <laughs> I, I couldn't have predicted that. We'd been wet for three years. It rained every other day. And then all of a sudden it shut off. So that's the risk you take. Now, granted, you could say, well, I'll just plant corn on corn in that kind of year. That's fine if you're willing to do that. But if you aren't, then you got to understand the risks. And that's why we're always conservative with risks, aggressive with weed control. Uh, but in terms of the atrazine, we worry about the groundwater contamination. So I, I, I'm not worried about oh, I can't kill the weeds with other products because there are plenty of products that kill large seed of broadleaves with. That's a piece of cake in corn. I am, however, worried about all the thousands of times that atrazine has been found in groundwater in the United States of America. We find it a few more times, and we find it in a few bad spots at a few bad rates, and all of a sudden we get atrazine banned. That's what we're concerned about. So if you want to run atrazine at a higher rate, I'm fine with that. Just do it post-emerge. And there's far less risk it's going to end up in anybody's groundwater. Okay, thanks for the question. I uh, got this one from Kent, and he said, I own a 12-row Case IH Coulter side dress bar, and I'm using it every year to side dress applications of 32% nitrogen for my corn. Right now, my nitrogen program is putting out UAN with my pre and then the balance of my nitrogen at side dress time with this applicator, possibly another pass with Y-drops or high boy urea later. I'm wondering, though, about using this applicator for my pre-emerge application instead of going with my herbicide application, just banding with 100 pounds of N through 32%. I'm going to put it down four to four and a half inches deep. 
The balance then would be put on at side dress time. I'm hoping to do this to avoid seedling damage. Also, I don't have GPS, so I'm not planning on trying to offset strip marks or plant on the strips. Just looking for a way to get the nitrogen down in the ground and also use this applicator for more than just one pass. What do you think of that program? That was a lot of stuff to follow, so I don't know if I. Okay, so basically, all that. he's so been me, he's me. been putting he's been split applying nitrogen half with his pre-emerge herbicide, half side dressing later on. He's wondering Fine. if instead of putting on the nitrogen with the pre-emerge herbicide, if he could put it on with that same side dress bar, so with a, a sure absolutely, and put a hundred pounds yeah. down four inches deep. Yes, yes, you can. Now, also, let me just say, since we're talking about dry years and wet years, in dry years, we want more of that nitrogen on early rather than later. So like on our farm, we're probably 80, 90 percent early, and normally we would be 60 percent early. Because if you don't get that nitrogen on early, uh, then you're in trouble. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. I got this one from M.A. talking about high-yielding wheat tips and... Uh, said we farm in Pakistan and we're we're really struggling with our wheat yields. What are some of the things that growers in your country are doing to get higher yields? Okay, first thing that I would say if if you just said, all right, tell me what I can do on my farm is why don't you get a soil sample to begin with? Find out what you have for nutrient content, what some of the challenges are in the soil in your area, so we can start to address those. So soil sample would be number one. Then fertilize accordingly to the soil sample and to what your yield goal is. So make sure that you're getting out the NPK sulfur and and hopefully you've got enough um, left in the budget to put some micronutrients out there too. But first of all, take care of the NPK and sulfur and fertilize to what your crop needs. If you've got the soil fertility out there for what that crop needs, now the next step would be high quality seed. So I know there's a lot of difference out there in in what kind of seed you can get. Make sure you've got seed that's obviously free of weed seed, but high germination percentage, good yield potential, those types of things. And then in season, weed, insect, and disease control. And after that, you just need to catch some timely rains, and you've got a pretty good shot of having a decent crop. I would start with that, and then, yes, if you say, hey, we're raising 100 bushel wheat, we want to try and get to 125 or 150, then there's going to be some additional steps beyond that. But soil sample, fertilize, use high-quality seed, and then weed, insect, and disease control during the season will get you a long ways. Hey, thanks, M.A. Really appreciate that. Good luck to you. Thanks for checking out our program. Uh, got, let's see, trying to think what I can do really quick here. This one comes from Tony. He said, I wonder, would you make tully grass or humidicola one of your weed of the week sometimes. Ooh, that'd be really cool, Tony, because that is a tough weed, and I'm thankful we don't have it here. Uh, it's got stolons. It's very invasive. Uh, it's certainly tough to control in the wet areas. That's where it's got some extra power or extra competition, I should say, versus whatever crop you're going to grow. So if in those wet areas you can improve drainage, that is a good cultural fix to try to slow this one down. It doesn't do as good in well-drained soils as it does in the wetter areas. So I would try that. In terms of herbicides, I usually start here. If Roundup can kill it, 
then I don't think that it's a huge problem. Now, I get it. Sometimes you say, well, I can't really spray Roundup right here because I'm worried about killing everything else in the area. I understand that. But if you said, what will it take to take that one out? I would say spray some Roundup and improve the drainage in those areas if you can. Thanks for the question and the comment, Tony. We really appreciate that. Thanks to everyone today who called in. We really appreciate all of you listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.